Hey everybody, and welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to empower the next generation of leaders through intentional mentorship. In this episode, we will be hearing from Pastor Rick Hughes. Pastor Rick Hughes has a thriving church called Victory Worship Center in Ponca City, and he has pastored there for 30 years years. Pastor Hughes has served as the secretary of the Oklahoma District United Pentecostal Church for the past 18 years and has an inspiring passion for youth and college-age students. This episode is going to be awesome, so let's dive in. Hello, Oklahoma Next Gen Nation. How are you today? Hope that you're all doing well. I'm so thrilled today to get to spend some time with you. I love the opportunity to speak into the lives of you guys and gals, because I believe that you're some of the most intelligent, gifted, influential people on the planet. You're world changers. That's who NextGen is and who NextGen is becoming. And I'm just happy to be a part of NextGen because it's a movement that is word-based and spirit-led. Let me begin today by just giving a shout-out to our great NextGen leaders team, the Derek Borders, Shane Cheeks, Baron Longstress, Jason Sharps, Rob Wyatts, and of course, my favorite lady, Val Hughes. This team is so awesome and diverse. And Val and I are truly honored to work alongside such visionary and spiritual leaders. And you, my friends, are blessed to have them speaking into your lives on a regular basis through these podcasts. Now, you wouldn't be hearing these podcasts if it wasn't for our tech and media teams. Blaine Jones, our tech guy who puts it all together and makes it happen, Merrick Faulkner, who is the voice of our podcast, as well as Victoria Summers, who's our social media guru. And thanks to each of them for making us look good and sound good. We really mean it when we say we couldn't do it without you. Now, I want to tell you, first of all, before I even get started, and let you know it's been so hard for us as a next-gen leaders team to have to cancel our spring live event and now to also have to cancel our summer live event due to health and safety concerns because we had such great plans for each event. But I do want you to know it was the right decision and is the right decision and those plans will just have to wait until our fall event, Lord willing, in Tulsa, October 24th. So mark your calendars. It will be ultra epic. Now this is just an observation that may not mean anything to you or it may speak volumes to you. Val and I have been talking and it just seems to us that maybe Jesus is trying to wean us from depending so much on big events to keep filled up, fired up, and charged up because they keep getting canceled. And we keep trying to reschedule, and then they get canceled again. And so for whatever it's worth, 
Could it be that God is trying to tell all of us that living for God and getting filled up, fired up, and charged up should really be based on our personal and private relationship with Him and that it can happen in a very quiet, lonely place and that it doesn't always happen on a big stage in a big setting with lots of people present? Well, that's free. So much for that. So much has happened since my first podcast back in January. And so we cycled through everybody, and now it's my turn again. And the world is such a totally different place today than it was just six short months ago. 180 days ago, the world is upside down. And so over the past couple of weeks, I've been asking Jesus, what can I say in this podcast? What can I convey that would be a timely word that would give some perspective and help make sense of what's happening in the world? But even more than that, that would share how our next generation needs to respond in these crazy, perilous times. And I feel like Jesus impressed me with two things. Two things that we need to concentrate on and that I want to share with you today. We need to be fearless and we need to be focused. And so I'm talking today about being fearless and focused. When everyone else is fearful and distraction, fearless and focused is a one-two punch that will keep the enemy from conquering you and me. While much of the world and even many in the church are fallen prey to fleshly responses to our world conditions and are becoming fearful and distraction, and the result of all that is people are totally paralyzed and accomplishing little or nothing for the kingdom of God. So let's dive right in. Part one, fearless. Let's start with the word of God. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. I'm sure you've heard it many times over the last six months. And so humor me for saying it one more time. For God hath not given us the spirit. And notice that spirit of fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me just stop and say that fear is more than just an emotion. What Paul is writing to his son in the gospel, who was probably a next-gen. He was probably in this age group, probably in this demographic. He's telling him the spirit of fear, because it's more than an emotion, there's a spirit to it. There is a spirit of fear. It didn't come from God, but God's expressing and giving a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind. So let's break it down. Fearless is defined as without fear, being bold or brave. Some synonyms, daring, and here's my favorite, bodacious, confident, courageous, bold, assured, valiant, and unflinching, or lion-hearted. And just to kind of put that all in a sentence to make some sense, 
Our enemy, the devil, should be afraid of the next gen nation rather than the next gen nation afraid of our enemy, the devil. And so antonyms are apprehensive, cowardly, timid, uncertain, and weak. Now I read something that right the first of this year and the Uversion Bible app people from Life Church in Edmond, they announced right at the end of 2019 that all across the world, the Bible verse that had been most engaged with throughout 2019 was Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And I'm reading from New King James. Be anxious for nothing. Notice the word anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. In other words, it doesn't make sense. Will guard your minds, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So it's going to guard your heart or your emotions. And it's also going to guard your thought process, your mind, your logic, your reason through Christ Jesus. Now, please note with me that they made this determination pre-COVID-19 pandemic, pre-social justice protests and riots. And so if the world was filled with anxiety in 2019, oh my goodness, You can just imagine how much more anxiety our world is filled with today in July of 2020. People are fearful. People are struggling. People are apprehensive. People are timid. As a matter of fact, the number one issue of college students on our campuses is anxiety, which leads to depression. And anxiety, by the way, is a feeling of apprehension and fear characterized by physical symptoms. But as usual, and hear me today when I say this, God always expects the church to be countercultural. In other words, that we would not fit in. And whatever the world is promoting, the church would be the diametrically opposed. We would be the exact opposite. And so God expects the church... God is expecting the next-gen nation to be fearless in fearful times when everybody else is losing their mind and losing their head and their emotions just are off the chart. God expects his church. God expects you and me to be different from the world. He expects us to stand out, to be separate, to be distinct, If you've got the Holy Ghost inside you, you shouldn't be like the world. We're to come out from among them and be separate, he said. And so we're to be fearless as opposed to being anxious. Because the world needs us to be fearless. So there is that distinction, and that's what will draw people to us. And will draw people to Jesus Christ that's in us when our behavior and our conduct, our lifestyle, is projecting fearlessness rather than fearfulness and anxiety. Jesus gave a last day's prophecy. You'll remember it. 
Luke 21 and 26. Jesus said, In the last days men's hearts would be failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Jesus is coming very soon. And if you're not ready, then your heart is failing you for fear. And so the world is fearful, but the church should not be fearful, but rather fearless and lion-hearted. And so what Paul was telling Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, fear did not come from God. There was no fear. The first mention we have of it in the Bible is Genesis 3.10, when after Adam and Eve sinned, and God is calling to them, and Adam says, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afeared, if you will, because I was naked and I hid myself. So sin made Adam afraid, and so the spirit of fear did not come from God. It came from sin. It came from our enemy. But in place of that, again, spirit of fear, and that's something we're feeling in our world right now, the spirit of fear. God's desire is that when his Holy Spirit is in us, that a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound mind is what will be projected from us. Because by the way, that spirit of fear is being projected onto us, and we've got to make sure that we don't embrace it, that we push it off and say, that's not me. That's not coming from within me. That's external, not internal, because the Holy Ghost is what's inside of me. And so I'm going to make sure I'm projecting power, I'm projecting love, and I'm projecting a sound mind, which in many translations is translated as self-discipline or self-control. And by the way, the results of that those spirits that came from the enemy is weakness instead of power, hatred instead of love, and anxiety rather than having a sound mind. So you say, so what are we facing? What, what's the big issue here? Well, the big issue is simply we are feeling the impact of the spirit of this age, and that is the Antichrist spirit. It's been unleashed in the earth these last couple of years, and especially this year, and this year being a presidential election year, it's just at an all-time high, if you will, that Antichrist spirit, which opposes everything that the church is promoting. It opposes everything that we are living for and that we're sharing our message. And along with that spirit of the age, that Antichrist spirit, there's a spirit of chaos. There's a spirit of division. And there's a spirit of anger and a spirit of confusion. And the enemy's method of attack is to divide in order to conquer. And so we've seen that, especially over these past six months of 2020. First with the COVID-19 pandemic, and now with the social justice and the racial uprisings. Our nation is divided, and even some in the church are becoming divided. People are choosing sides. People are getting caught up in, in the media effort to sway the upcoming election and their particular political platform. 
And what I'm saying is don't get caught up in that next gen. That's not our purpose. That's not our mission in life. It's not our mission to be political activists. I'm not saying don't be political, but that's not our focus. That's not what God has called us to do and to be and to say. And so let me just say, be very careful that you limit your exposure of how much media you are ingesting, both the national news media and social media. Because if you're getting a steady diet of that every day, it will produce fearfulness. It will produce anxiety in your life as opposed to the peace of God, which passes all understanding. And God has promised to keep our heart and our mind. And I've found myself, if I, when I, real, I realize every so often I'm getting too much media I'm ingesting too much media because I start feeling fearful. I start feeling the anxiety in that spirit of the age that is the driving force of the media today. And so I say all that to tell us, what do we do in this time? Well, it's not God's will for us to be a timid church. It's not God's will for the next generation to be apprehensive to be flinching and cowardly, afraid of our shadow. It's not God's will for us to be afraid to take a stand for righteousness and truth, even when it's not popular, and even when we might be persecuted for it. But rather, it's time for us to be courageous, to be bold, to be bodacious and daring, brave and confident, not so much in ourselves, but confident in our God. Because courage, courage is not the absence of fear, right? But courage is the conquering of our fears. So let's slow down a bit. Fear. Fear is one of the most powerful emotions known to mankind. And it's certainly the most debilitating of all human emotions. Fear paralyzes people. Fear causes people to freeze in their tracks. Fear immobilizes people and it holds them hostage to assumptions and old paradigms. It results in a lack of faith, confidence, trusting. Fear is a robber, a thief, a destroyer, and it makes people miserable and tormented. Many times I've had people tell me, hey, pastor, I was just so afraid that I couldn't speak. I was too afraid to do anything. I just kind of froze in my tracks. I just felt paralyzed. And that's exactly what fear does. And that's its effects upon us, especially when we're trying to do something for God. Because fear is one of Satan's favorite tools especially against the church, especially against the people of God. Satan knows what he has and what he doesn't have. And so he's got to got play to this thing called fear or false evidence appearing real. Guess what? Fear is never your friend. 
But Satan likes to throw fear on us when you're about to take a stand for God. Our next generation, as you're growing and developing and, and your ministry is starting to blossom and as you're investing in yourself and allowing mentors and spiritual authorities to pour themselves into you, that's when Satan throws the fear on you. The spirit of fear attacks and you say, well, I guess I can't do that and I guess I can't speak out or teach a Bible study or disciple somebody to Jesus Christ. I guess I can't use my talents and abilities and giftings for the kingdoms of God. And so what happens is many next-gen just freeze in their tracks and they never become that mighty man and woman of God that God has designed for them to be. So hear me today, next gen, if you're listening today, God is speaking to you right now. And he's telling you, do not be afraid. Fear not, I am with you. Fear is not your friend. And it's time to take action. It's time to take a step. It's time to refuse to be paralyzed or immobilized by the enemy. And it's it's time for you to say, I refuse to be trapped. I refuse to be in bondage. I refuse to be held captive, hostage to my fears, hostage to assumptions, and even old paradigms. Because I am a child of God, and he did not give me the spirit of fear. Amen and amen. Now this may surprise you. Fear is a sin. And not only is fear a sin, but it's first on the list, number one on the list of who won't be in heaven. Someday I want to preach a message. What's first on the list of who won't be in heaven? Because Revelation 21 and 8, it's listed out. It's enumerated. But the fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. So again, it's first on the list. Now I realize this world today, it's filled with more questions than answers. And just looking at what's happening in our world and society and culture from strictly a carnal, fleshly point of view, it's easy to be totally scared to death. It's easy to totally freak out because truly, it's crazy out there. Things are unlike they have ever been in modern history. Things I'm seeing that I never have seen in my entire lifetime. And although the, the term has been way overused, we really are living in unprecedented times. And I just have to look at myself and say, okay, here I am, almost a 59-year-old man, and I'm feeling the impact. I'm feeling the spirit of the age that's trying to project itself onto me, and I'm feeling the spirit of fear and chaos and confusion and, and these spirits coming against me. If I'm feeling that, if, if that's coming after me, and I'm having to really work harder to stay in the Word and to stay connected to the Spirit 
so that I'm not overtaken with fear. I can only imagine how much this is impacting our next generation, those who are listening today. And the reason I say that is because I'm at least two and maybe three times older than most of you. And so I've seen a lot more life, which hopefully gives me a more a better perspective of the bigger picture than what you've experienced so far. But what I can tell you is put your trust in Jesus, get your eyes off of all of that, and allow Jesus Christ to make you fearless for his name. Because we know how much he loves us. Everything is based on love. We know love never fails. 1 John 4.18 tells us there is no fear in love. And we know how much God loves us and how much we love him. And then he says, perfect love casteth or driveth out fear. It removes fear and replaces it with faith in God. And so there's no reason for us to be fearful because of the love of God that's been expressed to us. And knowing how much he loves me, I have no reason to fear. God is going to see me through. And this, my friends, is our greatest hour. This, my friends, is our greatest opportunity because the world is turned on its head and people are looking and searching and they're, they're frightened and they're concerned and they're trying to find something to grasp a hold of. And we have what they need. And we have it in Jesus Christ, starting with the love of God. Perfect love cast out fear because fear hath torment. There's a lot of tormented people. Because of that, there's tons of mental health issues happening in the world today and people trying to medicate their fears and in all the wrong ways. The scripture says, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. So what do we do? What do we do at times like this? When David gave us some advice in the 27th Psalm, I love this Psalm, Psalm 27, 1 to 3, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? In other words, there's no one I should be afraid of. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And obviously, It's a proverbial rhetorical question. There's no one. And then he goes on and says, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Wow, my heart's not going to fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And that's exactly, that's exactly what God is saying today to the next gen nation, that we are confident in God. Our heart is not going to fear. The enemies that are coming against us are going to stumble and fall because we have been called to be fearless. A number of years ago, a little book came out and it was called, Who Moved My Cheese? Maybe you've heard of it. Perhaps some of you have read it. 
If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It was a quick little book. You could probably sit down and read it in an hour. It was a little leadership proverb, I guess you would say. Became a number one bestseller. And it was all about dealing with change. And again, a number of years ago when it first came out, I, I, I will never forget, I was sitting in my office at church one afternoon and I was reading this little book called Who Moved My Cheese? And as I was reading it, the book poses this question that has had a profound impact on my life. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Think about that. What would you do if you weren't afraid? And then the follow-up question is, what would you attempt if you couldn't fail? If failure was not an option, what would you attempt to do? And the book is a funny little parable about two mice and two little people. I don't want to spoil it for you. And the way that each character responds to change and overcoming fear. And the focus of the book is about moving beyond your fears because when you do, you become free. Because again, fear doesn't liberate. Fear hinders and holds you hostage. It holds you captive. But when you truly become fearless, you have liberty. You have freedom. And so I was just sitting there at my desk as I was reading the book and pondering the question, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And of course, my mind is racing. I'm thinking of some things that if I was braver, if I was a little more daring and courageous, that I would attempt. And as I'm thinking this, the Lord began to speak to me. And God posed a question in my mind, and he modified the question the book was asking. And this is what he spoke to me that day. He said, what would you do for me if you weren't afraid? What would you do for the kingdom if you weren't afraid? What would you do for the work of God if you couldn't fail, if you were fearless? And I can truly tell you today that that was, a, that was one of those turning points in my life that I will never forget. I still remember sitting there in my chair, weeping before God, making commitments to God as God is speaking to me and there's thoughts and plans and dreams running through my mind. And, and from that day to this, there have been many things that I've attempted and things I've, I've been challenged to start and to do that I hadn't up to that point. Because of this question, what would you do for God if you weren't afraid? And so I pose that question to you as we wrap up part one today. What would you do for God? What would you do for the kingdom? What would you do in the remainder of 2020 if you weren't afraid? And if you couldn't fail? If you were truly fearless? Don't forget 2020 is the year of the double vision, double portion. It's a year of vision and double portion. And so all of us, the next generation, we all need to be throwing ourselves completely into the work of God without reservation, without limitations. We just need to give our very best effort because God's going to give us a double portion blessing 
double portion outpouring and a double portion harvest. And so I challenge you to exercise dominion and authority over the spirit of fear today. Take dominion and authority and eliminate fear from your life. The spirit of fear must be conquered because the spirit of fear and the spirit of love cannot coexist. So I hope you're still with me. Hope you haven't checked out yet. Still have part two to do today. We talked about being fearless and how critical and important that is. And I hope you give me a few more minutes of your time today to talk about being focused. Fearless and focused. So let's start with the word. Proverbs 4, 25 to 27. The wise man said, Let thine eyes look right on, and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So fearless and focused. Now we all know from experience that when you're taking a picture, one of the most important things to do is to take the time, however long it takes, to make sure that the camera is in focus. We've all taken pictures that we thought were all focused, and later on, when we looked at the picture, we realized it was blurry, it was out of focus, that the main attraction of the picture was in the back or hidden on the side. And usually we just scrap those pictures. We throw them away. Because we know it takes extra time, takes extra effort, and you've got to be intentional to keep things in focus and to find the focal point. And so focus is defined as the center of activity, attraction or attention. It's a position in which something must be placed for clarity or perception. I know life is super busy. Life is the busiest it's ever been. And for many of you, our next-gen nation, I know that you're involved in so many things. Many of you are still in school, furthering your education. You're involved in ministry. You're beginning a career. Uh, you're working on your relationships. And so you've got tons of stuff going on in your life. And we're challenged. We're challenged to multitask. We're challenged to do more than one thing at a time. And with all of our electronic media devices, it's hard to focus on one thing for very much time. Because I've got my iPhone and my iWatch. I've got my iMac and my iPod. And I got my earbuds and all these things together trying to keep up with all of it is highly distracting and makes it really hard to focus for very much time at all. And if I may say, I really believe that the church is battling a spirit of distraction. Our next generation is battling a spirit of distraction. So I want to talk about that here today and identify it. Because it seems like pretty much everybody I talk to today, they're telling me about some issue, some challenge, some platform that although in and of itself it might be good and might be 
worthwhile? Most of the things that people are talking about are things that are taking their eyes off of the mission of the church, which is to go make disciples for the kingdom, reach the lost, seeking to save the lost, and to build up the kingdom of God. And it just seems to me that for many, the vision is getting out of focus and it's becoming very blurry as we're losing the passion and zeal because something else has taken the focal point of attention in our lives. And truly, it's all part of a deliberate and sneaky attack by the enemy to keep us from making headway on our mission because he knows our heart follows our eyes and attention. And so we've got to make sure that our eyes are focused on the right thing and that we've not become a casualty of the spirit. And yes, it is a spirit of distraction. You're probably going to think I hate the media because I'm going to bring up the media again. But I just want to remind all of us that the media has an agenda. And by the way, it's not the same agenda of the word of God. And this is an election year. And that changes everything. And so the issues the media is making the biggest deal about right now, remind yourself, it's all about the election on November the 3rd. And the next day after the election, some of those issues will die and disappear because it's all a part of their efforts to manipulate our focus to manipulate the way we think and the way we feel and to distract us from the issues that really matter long-term, the things that really matter in life. And so what the media is working on right now, and I'm not saying any of those issues are wrong, I'm just saying that's not our focus. That's not who and what God has called us to do to be married to those particular issues. But the media wants to get us focused on those things that are temporal and bring about an emotional, fleshly, and carnal response. And people are doing it. Christian people are doing it. Next-gen people are doing it. And the things they are, are posting are really revealing what's inside. And people are responding in that matter as opposed to responding based on facts and responding based on logic and reasoning. And again, I just caution you, if you're spending too much time soaking up media, you're probably not focused on the main thing, the mission of the church. As the late Tom Fred Tenney used to say, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And it's so, so true. And so let me just be perfectly clear in case I'm not being clear enough today. The main thing that we're focused on right now is not social justice. It has its place. The main thing we're focused on right now is not that your favorite candidate wins the election November the 3rd. Yes, everything has its place. However, God hasn't called us to fix all the ills of the world. 
God hasn't called us to take up every issue of our modern day culture and society, but rather God has called us, you and me. He's called the next generation. It's all about souls. It's all about the kingdom, his kingdom. It's all about seeking him first and about you and me becoming who Jesus has called us to be. We believe in you, Next Gen Nation, and we believe that your best is still ahead. So don't get caught up. Don't get caught up on all those things that are temporal and just emotional and and maybe will do you more harm than good and might even have a negative impact upon your Christian witness. Yes, guess what? Paul told Timothy, and we talked about this earlier, Timothy was his son in the gospel. We would say Timothy was part of, okay, next gen. And he tells him in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And I don't think there's too much disagreement. We're living in perilous times. Times that are unprecedented in history. And so here he's writing to this young man in the gospel. And it's like, so if this is what it looks like in chapter 3, how are we supposed to respond? How is the church, the body of Christ, how is next gen supposed to respond to the perilous times in our world today? And in chapter 4, verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, he gives him a charge of how to respond. And he said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And then he continues on. But in summary, our response to what's happening in the world, the way the church, the body of Christ, the next generation is to respond, preach the word. That's our mission. Stay focused. Keep developing yourself. Keep growing yourself. Keep investing in yourself. Keep becoming more like Christ so you can better communicate the word of God. You can preach the word of God, the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and not be distracted by all of this other stuff that is not the main thing. So what is distraction defined as? Well, it's a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. It's a diversion, interruption, disturbance, interference, or hindrance. And obviously, a distraction is the opposite of an attraction. It's just got the dis in front of it. Now, I know something about this, about what happens when you're a distracted driver... I remember I had a car accident. I ran into the back of another car because I was looking ahead down the road. I was distracted by some flashing lights up ahead, and I was looking at the flashing lights, and I didn't see the car that was in front of me as we were changing from I-35 to I-240 had stopped. And when I looked back down, I was buying the back bumper of the car in front of me. It was all because I was distracted. Thankfully, I didn't get a ticket, but I really deserved one. And oh, by the way, one of the most frequent traffic citations that are given to motorists involved in traffic accidents is 
failure to devote full attention to driving. You're driving and something attracts, distracts you, and you change your attention from the windshield, the cars in front of you, to something on the left or the right or behind you, and it creates a problem. Did you know that this dangerous epidemic on America's highways, in 2018 alone, over 4,600 people were killed in distracted driving crashes? That's a lot of people. It really is a big issue, and if if you would go online and study it, you'd realize it's, it's a growing issue. And of course, there's been a lot of public service announcements to try to get us to don't text and drive, put your phone down, put your devices down, focus on, the dri- on driving rather than allowing something to rob your attention and your focus from the road so you can't concentrate. And as I was just checking to make sure I had the most current statistics, I found that Oklahoma ranks number fourth in the nation, number four, with the highest incidence of distracted drivers. Now, I just got to tell you, I'm not proud of that fact. I wish that Oklahoma ranked number 50th in the nation with the highest incidence of distracted drivers. And what that means is Oklahomans are really bad and they're really distracted. They're not concentrated. They're not locked in on what they should be doing. And oh, by the way, I pray the same is not true for Oklahoma and the spiritual. I pray that in the spiritual, that Oklahoma would be 50th, that we would be locked in, concentrating, focused, with a laser-like focus on what God has called us to do and what our mission is in 2020. Solomon gives us some instructions in the verse we read to start with in this part 2, Proverbs 4.25. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Do you think Solomon knew what he was talking about? Do you think he was speaking from experience? Do you think maybe he had some times when he was distracted? But he's telling us, the wise one, keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't be distracted and sidetracked and look to the left or the right or behind you. But use blinders so you are not distracted. Don't look back, but focus straight ahead. Watch which way you're going, because the bottom line is this. Your feet follow your eyes. Your feet follow your eyes. And so, next gen, what are you looking at? What are you focused on? What has captured your attention? Because you can't move forward and look backwards at the same time. You can't look move forward while you're looking to the left or the right. And so the focus is we've got to be straight ahead. Because if you look straight ahead, your feet will lead you straight ahead. David gives us some advice as well. We previously read from the 27th Psalm. We read verses 1 to 3 when we talked about being fearless. And in verse 4, David talks about being focused and not distracted. He says, one thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. 
And notice David didn't say two things have I desired, or five, or seven, or 19, but one thing, having a singular focus. This is tops. This is my greatest desire, my aspiration. It's what I've desired, and I'm going to seek after it. And so let me just stop and ask the question to you next, Jen. What is your one thing? What is the one thing that you're desiring from the Lord? What are you seeking after? Because if you'll stay focused, God is going to make that a reality. He's going to fulfill your dreams. Obviously, the issue is we focus on so many things at one time that everything is blurry. Everything is out of focus. And then our minds are jumbled. They're on overload. And we feel that spirit of confusion takes over. And we just can't get locked in on anything. And the saddest part is, spiritually, distractions result in casualties. When we take our eyes off the road, when we get our eyes off of Jesus Christ and start focusing on the devices, catch that word there, the devices of the enemy, we get off the plan, out of the word, focused off of the Lord of our life. and There's danger ahead. And it usually doesn't take very long before someone crashes and burns. James James talks about it this way in James 1, 14 and 15. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away or distracted of his own lust or desires and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Apostle Paul knew a lot about focusing, not just for his son in the gospel, Timothy, but for himself. Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14. You can quote it with me, no doubt. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I'm focused. On this one thing. First of all, I'm forgetting those things that are behind. I'm forgetting my past, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm not, I'm not living in the past. It's my foundation, but I'm not living there. And I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. That's the future. I'm pointed in the right direction into the future that God has planned and prepared for me. But then in the present, I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm moving forward, straight ahead, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What great advice for us today, next gen, that we would be so focused. We're not going to let our past destroy us. We're not going to be distracted on what's on the left and the right and and all the, the things the world is trying to get our attention with. But we're pressing toward the mark for the prize. We're blocking out the past because the prize, because I refuse to be distracted. And Paul talks about that, by the way, in 1 Corinthians 7.35. I mean, the word distraction is even in your Bible right here. Paul said, This I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely and that ye may attend upon the Lord without Distraction. Wow, I need to be serving the Lord without distraction. 
And so what does all this do? It begs the question, where are your eyes? What are you looking at? What are you focused on today? One final verse and then I'll be done. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every distraction, and the sin which does so easily beset or sidetrack us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking straight ahead, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We've got to be focused on Jesus Christ. So I challenge you, exercise dominion and authority today over the spirit of distraction. Eliminate distractions from your life. That spirit of distractions must be conquered because you can't be distracted and focused at the same time. So let me just wrap up today by challenging each of you. Be fearless, be focused. Conquer being fearful and anxious. Stop being distracted and out of focus because the times demand our best. We need to be bold and bodacious. We've got Jesus inside. We must have a laser-like focus on our mission, singular focus. Let's stay in touch. By the next gen leaders website our podcast social media platforms i love you all so much absolutely believe in you this is our greatest hour and i'm so glad to be a part of oklahoma next gen blessings and favor over each of you god bless you thank you for listening to this episode of the oklahoma next gen podcast We exist to empower the next generation of leaders through intentional mentorship. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media.